Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad. I have with me Father Alec. Father Alec, we are going to start with um, a definition uh, that you're going to define, which is a word that maybe a lot of people haven't heard, and that is glossolalia. Why don't you define glossolalia. that? I believe, and you can correct spell it too. Oh, glossolalia. I'm going to try here. G L O S S. O L A L I A. I'm a terrible speller. <laughs> Is that close? Uh, G O G L O S S O L A L I A. Yeah, nice job. I think I might have put an A. I can't remember. It was close. This is great content. So let's who perfect cares? content. This is what people want to hear. Spelling, <laughs> spelling bees. Um, always win. Now, now use know, it in a TV. sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to do that, but. My understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is glossolalia is what we would typically call the speaking of tongues in a religious context. Is that accurate? That is, that's a, that's a good, a good um, use. Yeah. You could say now, the, the man in church was filled with the Holy Spirit and that, that power of the Spirit was manifested in glossolalia. Yeah. <laughs> Very natural, easy sentence. Um, uh, so glossolalia for, you know, I, I never... I had heard of speaking in tongues growing up. I, I had never experienced it. Um, if you are a normal sort of Sunday going Catholic, or even, you know, even if you, whatever tradition you've grown up in, unless it is a specifically what we call a charismatic renewal Christian parish, there's a good chance you've never heard of glossolalia or you've experienced it. It's not like people speaking foreign languages. Um, spontaneously. Well, some, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. It, I suppose it can be. I, I guess. I guess I'm speaking of it from a very specific angle, mm-hmm. uh, from what we call like a Protestant Protestant angle, um, because we we see in the Acts of the Apostles, and this would be a case of glossolalia, where the the uh, the apostles speak and everyone hears and interprets it in their own language. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a miracle of the Holy Spirit, obviously. But you know, so this would be glossolalia. Speaking of tongues in in the context, think of it today is is like language that is that is not discernible or understandable by the human ear, right? It requires divine interpretation. Um, and it's kind of foreign to our Catholic understanding. So mm-hmm. I guess the question that I want to kick back to you, Father Conrad, is this is a gift that that uh, is certainly uh, attested to in, to some degree in the scriptures, absolutely attested to in the, in the scriptures. Um, why... Is this something that we don't see a lot of in the Catholic Church or, or reverence as much in the Catholic Church? And when we talk about gifts like this that we frequently call charisms, that are in a charisma, charismatic tradition, these are called charisms. What's the deal with them in general? Okay. So I don't think that, I, I, I don't know if it's, we don't see them a lot. I think, you know, it, it comes and goes depending on the needs of, of, of the church. And, and that's something I think sometimes in a modern setting, we think, oh, this is something old fashioned miracles don't really happen. We're kind of infected by our modern rationalistic sensibilities that say that that stuff isn't real. And, and we just think that sometimes that mass is just, we just go to church and do nice things and are nice people. And that's what religion is as opposed to religion being this moment of encounter with God who really does fill us with his Holy Spirit, who really can work incredible things in and through us and in and through his church and, and the reality of those things. Uh, and, and there are miracles that have happened and have been documented. And there are things that happen up into our, our current day. 
Um, and, and it's usually just kind of our rationalistic bias that kind of stops us from, from really believing these things and not thinking that they're real and that they, that they happen and, and, and therefore not, not seeing them or pursuing them. But, but on the broader answer is, so what, what is this for? Like miracles, miraculous things. So charismatic gifts fall in broader categories. So there's glossolalia, there's speaking in tongues, but then there's also kind of miraculous healings. There's miraculous healings um, of both psychological and um, physical uh, where, where you're freed from something internally or you're freed from something uh, physically. Um, there's gifts of prophecy and, and dramatic teaching where, where someone preaching the word is all of a sudden really able to, to speak into the, the situation at hand and, and speak to people's hearts in a way that's miraculous. And all these things are what we call charismatic graces that are given by God for the building up of his church. And so the point is not necessarily to do the physical healings themselves. Like sometimes we think, okay, well, that must be the goal to heal more people. But God's goal is not necessarily physical healing. It's, it's bringing us to his heavenly kingdom. But he knows that as human beings, we need physical healing sometimes, not just for ourselves, but to see the evidence of the reality of, of his word. Like Jesus always accompanied his teaching with the miracles to back it up. And the miracles were there not to show, say, hey, I'm this awesome, but to show the power of the kingdom of God, which is coming into the world, um, and to confirm his claim to divinity and to being the Messiah. And, and that continues with his mystical body, the church, not just with his physical body. And so when we need that uh, reassurance or, or, or we need to back up, to have backed up for us, uh, the reality of the faith, then he, he allows those miracles to happen. And so that's primarily what they're there for. They're not there for like, okay, I need this power in order to do things. They're there primarily for the spiritual purpose of confirming our hearts in the faith and allowing us to grow in that intimacy of union with God. And if that's the case, I mean, they're kind of secondary. They're not as important as the primary things, which is growing in love of God, growing in our faith, trusting, uh, having our trust deepen, uh, having our love be more self-sacrificing, approaching the sacraments, approaching the scripture. Like those are the primary things that grow in that relationship with God. And God allows and, and, and gives miracles in order to help facilitate that process. For sure. So, you know, when I think about something like the speaking in tongues, which is a very dramatic gift, um, and, and many, many of these other things, too, even, even things that seem more, I guess we'd say, like, practical or desirable, like healing, you know, yeah. the capacity to, to miraculously heal, which we see in, like, Peter and Paul in the Old Testament, right? Um, we always have to remember when you talk about a gift like that, it's a charism like that, they are given to the church individuals or to the church body for the purpose of building up the faith and leading people to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is the very definition of a charism. So if it's ever something that, that is like personally possessed, um, we always should say to ourselves personally possessed. I mean, like it's something that you, you maintain ownership of, right? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm the great healer. I'm the great yeah, exactly. speaker. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I speak in, I speak in tongues all the time and nobody can interpret them. And, you know, look how close to God I am. Mm-hmm. It, 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 we want to ask the question, right. When we see something like a, like, and I'm not saying it's inauthentic, right. I mean, I'm sure there are instances of inauthentic or mistaken glossolalia or other charismatic gifts, 
or other, you know, supposed charismatic gifts. Mm-hmm. But we want to always ask ourselves, how is this building up the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. And most often, um, this is not a 100% rule, but it's a very high correlation rule. Charisms are given to people who have um, an openness and a closeness to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we want to look at it and we say, what is this doing for the, for the universal church? And, and I think, so this was sort of what I was getting at with my initial question. Um, something as sort of esoteric and, and, and different as glossolalia, it, you, you know, like the speaking of, of, a, of a foreign tongue that, that requires interpretation to make any sense, it, it, is, it is a, you know, a live question to say, if there's not an interpreter there, what is that doing besides, you know, kind of manifesting something remarkable, I guess, what is that doing to build up the church? Um, I don't mean to call into question whether or not it's real or mm-hmm. not. Um, and I, I think that, as I said, I think there are, there are real manifestations of this for sure. They're attested to in the scriptures, but they probably are going to be marked by something that is leading the congregation or leading people closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. And kind of an addendum to that, or like a like an addition, <clears throat> I think that we as Catholics, when we are really intimately and close closely in relationship with Christ, we have something that is so unique, and that is the Eucharist. Right? We mm-hmm. have this closeness to God in a way that is physical and and near and and remarkable. And so we aren't maybe in the same way, and, and maybe sometimes to our detriment, we're not always looking for the presence of God to be manifest in a million different ways in our life, because we have the presence of God in the Eucharist. Um, so there is an element in which I, I think that we as Catholics, sometimes on the good side and sometimes on the bad side, can be a little bit less desirous or less attentive to these sorts of secondary gifts, right, that are not as important as the Eucharist. Um, but you see, you know, in charismatic communities, and I admit that I don't have a lot of experience with charismatic Catholicism, but people swear by it, and those are often very, very Eucharistic, very devout people um, who have these experiences because they are, in a certain sense, looking for and seeking, well, maybe not seeking is too strong, but sensitive to these, these additional gifts or in a, in a community that is ready to receive them mm-hmm. um, in a way that builds up the faith. Yeah, I would say that that, that, that kind of brings me to what I, I would say there are two extremes that are to be avoided with this. And the first is that um, that rationalism, where we say, "Well, this isn't this isn't real. This we isn't can't real. have this is this is something to be avoided. This is for weird people. This is for fanatics. Things like that. That's that's inhibiting the Holy Spirit and preventing His grace from really working. And He really does want to work. And the power of the Spirit, we don't take into consideration some so often in our lives that that we really are to have His Spirit." grow and burn within us and work through us. But then the other extreme is what you mentioned, that focusing on the gifts for the gift's sake and and saying, I I need this. My faith isn't complete if I don't have this gift, or because I have this gift, I am better or holier. And I don't necessarily say it in my head, but but that's what I think or believe. And uh, I'm, I've been reading this book uh, about this by a Dominican from from the 70s at the kind of the start of the charismatic movement, and he he makes these points and and he concludes. He says, you know, Scripture says that the Antichrist will be doing miracles too. Like miracles aren't necessarily yeah. a surefire uh, sign of of God's um, favor or presence or holiness. And so when we seek miracles for their own sake, um, then that leads us away from Christ, who the miracles are supposed to point towards. 
And I think the right disposition for a Catholic to have is like, yeah, the fire of the Holy Spirit should burn in me and I should not be surprised when amazing things happen, but I also shouldn't be like caught up and said, oh, okay. Instead, I should say, yeah, man, God does amazing things. This is great. And I, I love him and I want to continue to grow in that love. And, sure. and I mean, and, what greater thing is there that he can do than give, give us himself in the Eucharist? I mean, in exactly. a certain sense, like once you really fully embrace and love the Eucharist, it's like everything else he's going to do in me pales in comparison to that. Exactly. Like, exactly. And, and, and most authentic charismatic gifts are marked in the person who has them with a, a, a profound humility. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so just being like, yep, okay, the Lord's doing this amazing thing. He might do it now. He might take it away from me for the next 20 years and then it will come back or whatever. Um, but it's just up to him and he's going to, he's going to lead my life and he's going to bring about the building up of his church. Um, Father Alec, uh, I think we have talked in enough tongues. Hopefully uh, people can uh-huh. understand and interpret what we were saying. Uh, Not thanks always. For, thanks for helping us understand glossolalia. And if you'd like to listen to other great Catholic talks, you can find us at Catholic Bites Podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com sorry or you can find us on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify be sure to subscribe hit the subscribe button it helps us out thank you and God bless you